privilege to uh, extend a happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers here today. Thank you for choosing to come and worship today and to worship uh, with us. Our scripture reading this morning is found in 1 Samuel chapter 1. So I ask you to turn there with me in your Bibles. 1 Samuel chapter 1. If you don't have your own Bible, our ushers have Bibles available, raise your hand and they'll bring a Bible to you that you can use throughout our service uh, this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 1. And as you turn there, would you please stand with me? 1 Samuel chapter 1, we'll be reading verses 1 uh, through 18. Please follow along with me as we read from God's word, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. There was a certain man of Ramathane Zophim of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkinah, the son of Jehoram, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zeph, an Ephrathite. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hopni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkinah, <clears throat> on the day when Elkinah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her, and her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was stirring up, excuse me, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her. He observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. And I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink. But I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. 
Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I've been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant you your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. You can read the rest of that and hear the story of the birth of Samuel. On this Mother's Day, we want to talk about the impact of Samuel's mother, Hannah. May God bless this scripture and the text that we read, and our reading, or the text that we'll be preaching from this morning. May He bless that to our hearts to challenge and encourage us. If you remain standing with me doing a word of prayer, after prayer, our choir will come with special music and then the preaching of God's word on this text. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace and your provision that's given through mothers. You gave us mothers to give that special provision that each one of us needed. We're here, Lord, to say thank you. We thank you for the mothers that are here, the mothers that have persevered in faithfulness and in godliness to raise children. We thank you for the example that they bring, and we pray, Lord, that others who seek to be good mothers would look at these good examples and follow them. We thank you for the impact that mothers have in our lives and especially teaching us and leading us in faith. We pray, Lord, that here at Sweet Communion, in our culture, in our community, we will stand out. Mothers here will stand out and commit themselves to you so that they can lead their homes in the way that you would have them to lead. Thank you for their faithfulness. May they... Um, depend and trust in you and rely on your strength and your resources. You're still working in that way today, Lord. So we thank you for, for, for your hand and your wisdom and your grace. We pray now, Lord, that you bless the preaching of your word to bring wisdom, edification, and blessing to those who take it and receive it and will walk by it. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Our choir comes with our special music. It seems that mothering never stops, even when we're presenting Mother's Day gifts. We had an, you might not be aware, we had a medical incident in the back, and uh, 
some nursing and some mothering was needed, <laughs> was provided, and Chad is okay, so we're glad to hear that. <laughs> we do take a break from our series in Acts to give some special emphasis to mothers today, and we've chosen for a couple of our our text one is the one we read in first Samuel chapter one. But I also want to look at another mother this morning. And her name it's interesting that names of characters are not always mentioned in the Bible. You'd have to look hard to find this person's name, even though she's a prominent mother, her name is Jochebed. You'd have to think about whose mother is she. Jochebed. If you turn with me to Exodus chapter 2. This, this goes to show that as a mother, your work may, may not always be on public display. The things that you do all may not see, but the result and the fruit of what you do impacts lives. Jochebed was the mother of Moses. And certainly she had a great impact in not just his life, but in many lives. You can see her name mentioned in, mentioned in Exodus chapter 6, verse 20, her and her husband. And if I'm correct, that may be the only mention of her in all the scripture. But let's look at the impact she had. Exodus chapter 2, let me read a few verses there. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with butamen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. I need to back up a little bit to give you a little point of reference. If you go to Exodus chapter 1, that very last verse in Exodus chapter 1, verse 22, it says, Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile but you shall let every daughter live. He had a death wish on the children of Israel that they should intentionally kill all of the male children. This is an ugly thing to see, that a society will turn its face against those who are innocent and unprotected, 
and not just turn their face away from them, but against them and intentionally kill and destroy them. This isn't the first time it would happen, and it wouldn't be the last. And uh, one prominent time that it happened is in the Gospels, in the life of Jesus himself. Satan was mad that this child would be born. Herod himself issued a decree that all male children or babies of Israel would be immediately put to death in his attempt to kill the coming king. But he couldn't do it. <laughs> no matter what evil they bring uh, to try to destroy God's plan, God's plan moves on. But in this case, in Moses, you see the skillful, loving act of his mother to save his life. Today, I want to look at God's purpose for mothers and what I've labeled is, is, first of all, what a child needs from mom. What a child needs from mom. The first thing I've noted here is a good start. Let me live. That's what a child needs from his mother, that opportunity not just to be born into the world, but be born and protected and allowed to live and to develop. I said that's most basic because I said allowed. There's much more responsibility that the mother has for a child, but it at least includes and starts with that life. It's ironic that on this weekend of Mother's Day in our ministry, we spent some time at the Planned Parenthood station hoping that we would get an opportunity just to talk to some who would have made decisions to not be a mother, but to not, not protect their children, but to kill their own children. But I had a unique experience. As we were there on the sidewalk or the entrance of that facility, there was a goose walking along actually on the corner of that property in a grassy area. And as I would walk past that, I noticed that the goose would not move. It was like in protective mode. Now, I didn't see the little chicks, but I could only suppose that that goose was there to protect her own so that nobody who would venture into that area would go without a challenge. She, in essence, was saying, I stand strong, and what's mine, I will protect with my very life. It's ironic. Right outside of the abortion clinic on Mother's Day weekend. Here is a story of a mother who faced an edict from a pharaoh or a king that all her children her male children, male babies, would be thrown into the Nile. Notice what she does. It, this is very interesting. I, I hadn't thought about this that much until it just dawned on me. When it says in, verse, uh, in chapter 1, Pharaoh's command all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, which meant immediate death, right? 
they drown. If you watch the wildlife uh, 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 videos and movies, you know that what's native to the Nile is crocodiles, and, and certainly they would destroy anything that's placed anywhere near them. And what's interesting is that Jochebed, whose name isn't mentioned here, but this is her, she follows the edict. She actually cast her child herself into the Nile. That's exactly what the king said should happen. But she did it with hope, with wisdom, and with protection in mind. It says that she, she put a basket together and she waterproofed it so it'd be like a little boat. That no water would get in. She protected it and then cushioned it and placed her precious baby there because this was her last resort. She, in essence, was doing what mothers should do today is when she had no other place, she's putting her child in God's hands. She's resting on the sovereignty of God. I can imagine the awesome prayer that went with that action because you could see she instructed her, sis, her, her, her daughter, the child's sister, to watch and see what would happen. In other words, as much as you can, care for and protect that baby. I can't be around because they won't let me but you are going to be there and watch. And you know the story. The, the sister is watching, and she notices that it's, it's the very queen herself <laughs> from Egypt. It says in verse 5, the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. And while she was... Being washed, she noticed this baby floating down the river. I wonder how she noticed it. I wonder if by the very sovereignty of God, he allowed the currents of that river to move that basket in protective ways to protect that child. And then to, to bump that basket just a little bit, perhaps, so that the baby <laughs> cries and is noticed. But not just noticed, by, but noticed by the daughter of Pharaoh herself, who has authority and power and resources to do exactly what she did. And what did she do? She sent her, her, her maids over, go, that's a baby, go grab that. And then she knew where that baby came from. But God had in some way softened her heart to care for this child. God was orchestrating. As a mother, you ought to realize that it's God who is sovereign in the life of our children. And he is able to guide and bring along protection even when your arm can't reach that far anymore. He is able in his own hand to care for these children. And that's exactly what he does what he does. You know, God has a purpose for Moses. And Moses is just but a little baby floating down a river, but he's protected in ways that no one could think of. 
God is guiding his path every step of the way. And Jochebed somehow trusted God to do that when she no longer could do anything more for her child. She trusted God. The first part is give your child a start, and it starts with you trusting your, God, your child to God. You got to have faith before you can even do that. That's not just a natural instinct of a mother. You need more than that. You need faith in God. You need to understand that when you can do, when your arm is too short, God's arm is long enough. When you can only protect so much, God can protect. When you don't even know what the purpose of your child is, God has already set his purpose on that child and will bring that child for his purpose. Now, of course, Moses is a, is, is a picture of God's salvation to his people. He's going to be the rescuer of his people, and he's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. We already mentioned that God already did this for Jesus. He, 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 he sent his angel to Mary and to Joseph and said, wake up, you're in trouble. Get out of this place and move on down to Egypt because Herod is trying to kill children here. So God is doing that, and he's doing that not just randomly. He's doing that because God is going to work out his plan. His plan for Moses was to be a human deliverer of his people, but more important than that, to, to be an example, a model of the ultimate deliverer that is to come, and that's Jesus. And his plan for Jesus was to be that deliverer. And so even though Satan would, 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 would hurl all his power and forces to try to do what he could do, God's protection was still around so that God's purpose is not thwarted. God's purpose is accomplished. It's accomplished by his grace, by his power, by his working. And when we have faith, we're simply trusting that. And doing all that God has called us to do for that. So, Jochebed, when she could do nothing more, I would imagine she was just troubled. Lord, save my child. There's nothing more I can do. And so, I put him in denial. Lord, care for my child. The Nile River, as water is, is a picture <laughs> of mankind in his sinfulness. And at some point, mothers, you are going to deliver your child. You're going to allow your child to face the world. But it's your faith in God that you need most, that God will carry that child through. So we know that end of that story, and that's encouraging to us. Now I want you to also look at another incident that we read in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And here the mother is named in the story. Her name is Hannah. So if you turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1. We've read that story. And it's a couple things that are really, really important to us in this story. It starts off with Hannah's condition not being able to have children. So how do you talk 
in a Mother's Day message and start with a, with a woman who couldn't be a mother. Not only could she not be a mother, but you know, how the, the Bible, I love the way God dramatizes things and tries to bring it to our attention. Because this is what he says in verse 5. It says, but to Hannah, he gave a double portion. This is her husband. Because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. Let me ask you a question. Who closed her womb? The Lord. That just sounds strange. The Lord closed her womb. You continue on to verse 6. It says that her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her. Why? Because the Lord had closed her womb. It recognizes the sovereignty of God. In other words, that it's not just something happened to you, but God allowed it for his great purpose, which he may reveal to you or he may not. It may continue to be hidden from you. We're not privy to that. We're not always told that we're going to find out all of the becauses and the whys behind everything. But that's where faith and trust in God comes. But I have to start this story where, where it needs to be started. We have one man and two wives. And you got to speak to that, right? You got to say, this is crazy. Here's a man. It starts off a certain man whose name was Elkinah. And it says he had two wives, verse 2. You go, oh, boy, nothing but trouble. Why does the Bible present such a picture? Well, we understand that there was a culture thing here, but outside of culture, what is God saying about this? Well, you can see in the story that it's, it, it's a ball of confusion. It's a mess. God made clear what his purpose and intentions were from Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. He made clear what his design was. And by the way, we, we are ignorant to, to, to ignore that design today, that, that children ought to come from marriage, which is between a husband and a wife, which is male and female. That's so simple and so basic and so elementary, but God told it to us so that we would be sure to know. Even before that, in Genesis chapter 1, it talks about male and female created he, him, he, he them, there's a distinction between the two that culture wants to conveniently ignore no matter how ignorant it is to think that way. But God is not ignorant. God has a design that is clear and he's communicated that clearly in his word. Notice the challenges of this relationship. The drama and the conflict in the home. I'm just going to mention a few words, key words and phrases, starting at verse 6, that show you the drama of a one man, many women relationship. Because men today think that is just, oh man, you macking, you really doing something. You is something else. When, when you got more than one woman, you're an idiot. You're a foolish person. Look at the words here in verse 6. Rival. 
her rival, sister wife. Man thinking, hey, this is cool. Got a nice thing going here. Now you got nothing but trouble. When you leave home, don't turn your back. This, this is a mess ready to happen. Rival, what does rival mean? It means I hate you. And any chance I get, I'm going to get you back. Also, the word provoke, irritate in verse 6. Ain't nothing good there. Verse 7, it says, it went on year by year. This ain't something that just happened now and then. It went on and on and on, this rival, this provoking, this irritating, this conflict between the two in a household. You can't raise kids in that nonsense and mess. You need to start by obeying God in the relationships that you develop. God instructs us how to do that. It's interesting. We have to really ignore a lot of what God says to mess up our lives like this. We really do. But we do. That's what we do. Verse 7, it says, As often she would provoke her. Verse that it went on year by year. Now, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. They supposed to be going to church. <laughs> Nothing but a mess. Nothing but a mess. Also, notice in verse seven, Hannah wept and would not eat. That doesn't sound like a good life to me. Verse eight, her heart sad. You see the words and the phrases here? Why is your heart sad? You know, kind of said, you know, hey, ain't, ain't I good enough for ten sons? No, when you got another woman. <laughs> when you're not devoted one-to-one -one in love the way God intended it to be. Do you realize Israel's sin all through the Old Testament, God mentions it in terms of a human marriage relationship. He said, you committed adultery against me. You went after other lovers. You're a whore is what he says. In other words, you didn't just like decide that we can't make it and I'm going to go with this man. You just open yourself to any and everybody else. It's the ugliness of that. God did not intend that in our relationships. In verse 10, it continues these phrases that give you a picture of what this is like when you go against God's will. Verse 10, she was deeply distressed. Now, it's one thing to be distressed. She was deeply distressed. This is not good. She prayed, verse 10. She wept bitterly, Verse 10. In verse 15, she was troubled in her spirit. And in verse 16, she says she speaks out of great anxiety and vexation. Those words don't sound good to me. This is Hannah's expression of her inner turmoil in this relationship. 
So, in all of this, God is still able to work. That's the good news. It's good that God doesn't just pave a picture or paint a picture for us of everything just being rosy and just sweet and nice. Because then we would wonder, can God work in my situation? God is saying, look, I can work in the darkest and in the ugliest situation. I am God. One of the key things that a mother needs to give to her child or a child needs from his mother is this prayer and encouragement. Hannah, in this bitterness, in this vexation, in this anxiety, in this irritation, goes to the Lord and asks for God to work. Moms today, you need to support and encourage your child. But how do you do that? You ever hear children talk at school? It's not always supportive and encouraging. They get called names. Not just the verbal, but it's the physical as well. They come home. They need a, a parent that will help them see who they really are so that they don't take on the image that's projected on them by others. But how can you do that if you don't have yourself together? How is it that you get yourself together and is able to provide this child what they need? It is through a relationship with God that you can support and encourage your child a genuine relationship with the Lord. Now, why do I speak about this? Because I see something in Hannah that is special. Her situation is not ideal, and it's not God's purpose and plan for that kind of marriage situation. But as she went to the place of God to, to pray and to give her petition, she was so distressed that the priest looked at her and says, she, she's drunk. She come in here talking to herself, and she's crazy. And look at her response to her situation and what she says back to the priest, Eli. In verse 15, Hannah said, No, my Lord, I'm a woman troubled in spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Can I pause there? Can I pause there? She said, in this situation I'm in, I didn't run to the bottle. I didn't run to the pill. I didn't run to smoke or snort or inject something in me. I didn't even run to the psychiatrist. I poured out my soul to God. Hannah knew where her strength and encouragement need to come from. She needed to be grounded in a relationship with God. 
I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. It's one thing that I think women look for, and that's that soulmate, someone who understands them on that level that they can talk to, that they can communicate to with. The problem is they look for it, uh, for it in men. No man can give that to you. It's not that your relationship should, should not provide some of that. But what you long for and what you need is found only in the Lord. And when you seek him for that, you'll find you get the encouragement that you need. I've seen so many women in relationships that they are seeking this man to be God to them. To give them that missing component. Hannah's husband would say, hey, baby, you know, don't worry about it. I, I can handle this. And somehow she knew, no, she had to go to the Lord to get the thing that she needed most. By the way, we all have to do that. God doesn't want us relying on anything or anybody else apart from him to be our savior and our completion. He gives us things in his goodness and his blessing. I am so thankful for the wife that God has given me. He gives us this as a blessing, but he is the source of it all. All good things come from God, and he wants us to seek him for it. Notice Hannah's response. I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. That's why we have so many um, tools today for, for people to, to talk and to communicate and share their feelings, and you know, whether it's on the internet or whether it's with a psychologist or you know, whatever they want to call themselves. We, we, we want to share, but, but Hannah found the right source. I've been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation, not to you, Eli, for a solution, to God. Not to you, Elkanah, for a solution, but to God. I'm going directly to the source. Isn't that good to know that we can come to the God who made us, who loved us, who has his perfect plan for us, and, and he meets our needs. Verse 17. Then Eli answered, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you've made to him. He didn't even know what she asked for. But he's realizing, you're trusting in God, not me. But God was communicating truth through him. She said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. I want you to notice her response. Then the woman went her way and ate. Before she wept and wouldn't eat a, eat, eat a thing, she was so vexed, she was so distressed, she didn't want to eat. I can only imagine what her sleeping pattern was. 
what her daily routine, how that had been broken up. I would imagine every part of her life had been impacted by what was going on with her. But notice now, she had heard from God. She had poured out her heart to God. And it says, when she got the answer, it came through a human being. It came through Eli. I understand that. But she had been speaking to God, and God responded to her, gave her an answer. And it's like she was, all of a sudden, I'm hungry now. My body feels differently. My anxieties are no longer what they used to be. What changed? I've trusted in God. I've trusted in God. It says she went her way. You can imagine she was clinging at that worship spot, and she she was not going to go away until she heard something from God. But when she heard, it's like, There's no reason for me to linger here anymore. I am free. There's a weight lifted off of me that I've heard from God. And so it says her face was no longer sad. Do you realize what's troubling you is not a physical thing only? Is not an emotional thing only. It is deeply interwoven in all of you, and it has its source at the spiritual relationship that you walk in with God. Nobody can rob you of that and take that from you. No circumstance can destroy that. I don't have time to go into other stories that I wrote out, uh, but you can see even death is with um, Elijah and the widow from the Shunammite widow. Uh, she, she, She ministered to Elijah and her son died. She gave that son over to Elijah. Not even death can can change that peace. That inner peace that we have because of our relationship with God that comes from trusting in his provision, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God doesn't take away all of our problems. But he gives himself so that we can rely on him through every struggle that we go through. Mom, you of all people need that type of faith. You need that type of reliance on God. Her inability to have a child was a great distress to her, and she simply gave that over to the Lord. Now, I I know some people are going to read this the wrong way. They're going to say, you know, if you can't have children, you just pray and God will give it to you. That's not it. If you're sick, just pray and God will make you well. That's not it. What is it? It's to realize it's your relationship with him that you need restored more than anything else. And when that relationship is right, you're able to endure all every, everything else that God places in your life. He'll point and he'll show you 
the way. Hannah's purpose was to turn her life over to the hand of God. She had said to God, Lord, if you give me a child, I'm going to give him back to you and devote him back to you all the days of his life. God took her up on that. She did that, and God did that. And God took her son Samuel and used him as his servant all of his life. What he's saying is commit your way to the Lord. Saying, God, what would you have me to do? Let my life be for your purpose and for your glory. Let me find peace in that. Not, God, you're my genie in a bottle and make me good and make me happy and satisfy me and bring me to completion and, and you, you, you becoming God and telling him what to do. He's saying, God, no, my messed up life is yours. I simply want my life to glorify you. Do with it as you please. Moms, we need you. We need you to raise godly children in this wicked and evil world. You need to realize your children have not a chance if you don't show them and point them to Christ. Oh, they have a chance to succeed in life for 30 years, 40 years, 50, 60, 70, even 80 years, and after that, what do they have? You need to point them to eternity so that they fulfill the purpose of God. God is placing them in your hands to wait for you to turn around and hand them back to him. That's what God wants you to do. Commit yourself then to God and his service to be a blessing to others. I want you to realize that she gave Samuel up and Samuel ended up being a blessing to the whole nation. God brought his son into the world, and his son became the savior of all of mankind. God is saying to a mother, give what God has given you back to him and let God do with it as he pleases to bring about his purpose, his agenda, what he wants done. Father, we thank you for your perfect will. You've placed us as parts in that wheel. I pray for mothers today, for parents in general, but mothers specifically, that you would challenge them to line up with your purpose, to seek your will, and to commit themselves to that. So they're simply trying to raise children that you want prepared for your work. And you'll bless and you'll do as you please with them. We pray that you'd encourage mothers today. Strengthen, support, be with them. Take them through the struggles and the heartaches of motherhood. Deepen their trust in you so they find hope in you. Hope in your purpose. Hope in your plan. Hope in your provision. We thank you. We thank you for those who are committing themselves to you right now. We pray that you would just encourage and equip them for your will. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.